dedicated to highlighting the full experience of career caregivers both on and off the clock. So welcome to the party, friend. Make yourself at home. Come see, see how we live, see how we live, yeah. <laughs> Hey, beautiful people. Welcome back to another episode of A Nanny's Life Podcast. I'm so glad you're here with me. I hope you've had a great week. I hope you're doing well and uh, we're just going to get into it. This episode is going to be a little different. It's going to be a little kiki. I just want to like take some time to just chat with a nanny friend. It's not really a formal interview or anything like this. Um, My guest host today is actually a friend of mine. We talk all the time. Hopefully that translates. Um, But yeah, y'all say hey to Kira. Welcome to the potty, friend. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm so excited you're here. Um, All right. So we will, you know, get the formalities out of the way. Kira, go ahead and share um, what you like to be called, how long you've been in this industry, your IG at because you are on the nanny gram. Um, and then we'll get into the conversation. All right, cool. So um, I'm Kira. I am a happy hippie nanny on Instagram. I'm in my sixth year of nannying. I started in 2018. Um, so yeah, I've been I've been at it for a little bit. I'm not a vet or anything, but um, I'm feeling myself in this nanny career right now. So Al, you better feel yourself. I love that. <laughs> um I always forget how old I am until I talk to nanny friends. Yes, I am a baby nanny. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, though, because you definitely have an old soul. You've definitely been here before. Um, so we relate well For anyway. Sure. Yeah. Um, and we recently were kind of talking about sort of the culture shock of being a nanny. Um, and some of the things that, you know, are unwritten and unspoken that we sort of learn to deal with off the cuff. So we're just going to talk through some of those occurrences and, you know, hopefully you guys listening can see yourselves represented in this episode because this is definitely something I think a lot of us tend to have in common. Um, so we're going to start off with our segment we call How Do You Do?, which is basically where we talk about how we handle an aspect of nanny life because, again, we don't have a work manual um, to tell us how to do things. So we, a lot of times, find ourselves handling the same things but in different ways. So today I want to ask you, Kira, how do you prep for an interview? So like you know that you're going to interview and talk to a specific family. You maybe haven't done your phone interview just yet, but you know their names. Yes. <laughs> are you doing research or are you just showing up like blind date style? How do you oh, handle it? Friend, um, if you're not doing research, then you are very brave, in my opinion, <laughs> to be going into an interview in this industry because what we do is so intimate. I'm going to be in somebody's home. So, you know, I'm looking up 
their names on the Google. I'm looking for their social medias. I'm looking up, you know, if they own a company, which a lot of them do, I'm looking into their company. Um, any Anything that I can scrounge up about them. One thing I always do is I'm going to look that house up on Zillow. I'm going to look at where you're <laughs> living. I'm going to look at anything that I can find about you truly, because like I said, I'm going to be in your home and I'm going to be seeing parts of you that nobody else sees. So I need to gather as much as I can before I even speak to you to know if this is going to be a good fit or not. Just off the cuff. Yeah, I think it's a good idea to do research too. I mean, I haven't been on an interview in a really, really long time. Um, and I know families sometimes think like, why do you need to research us? Why do you need to know, you know, what field we're in? Why do you need to know our house and, you know, the layout and all that stuff? But truly, it's a window into who you are as a human being. And especially first time parents, like, a lot of times they're still holding on to who they were before they became parents. And, you know, in those first few months, they're like trying to get back to that. So it, it doing research about families can speak to their motivations, can speak to their work ethic. Um, getting on that Zillow can tell you their proximity to things like classes, things like um, playgrounds, if the community's walkable. And these are all <laughs> very important factors in finding a job. Because I once did an interview sight unseen, and I ended up taking the job, but it was in a neighborhood that was not exactly walkable. Um, and I did not have a reliable vehicle, so I was not comfortable putting the kids in my car. So if we wanted to go to the playground, I had to hike a mile and a half each way. Um, they also had a driveway that was almost vertical. So, uh, you know, do your research. It's There's nothing wrong with that. Things like that matter to, to Danny's that, you know, people that don't have to think about that for other jobs. You know what I mean? Because it's the logistics of the day-to-day -day that I need to know. And I need to under know that we're going to kind of vibe in the same in the same way because I want that connection to be as authentic as possible. So if I see, you know certain things pop up maybe on your social media. I mean, I expect that my employers are looking me up too, kind of thing. So mm -hmm. I'm just checking out for all the stops. Mm -hmm. And that's important to know. They, they're going to look you up. <laughs> they're going to find out everything they possibly can about you. And I think it's absolutely fair um, to do your research yourself. So thank you for that response. Um, and moving into nannies need nanny friends. Y'all know it. Yes. I say it all the time. I want to know from you, Kira, who was your first nanny follow? It could have been a group. It could have been a person Ooh. on Instagram. What was the first time on social media where you were like, you know what? I need to tap in because this is my industry. Let me see. Um, So I made my nanny gram profile in ye old 2019. And I feel like that was a little bit before um, nanny gram as we know it now really started. So the first nannies that I saw on there or that saw me were from the UK or from Australia because there were not very many nannies from the US at least that I could find that were on yeah. Instagram and so I definitely remember I wrote down a couple of um of names that I remember talking to in the very beginning and following me and those would definitely have to be Nanny of Oz um she's in Australia mm. I remember chit-chatting with her um way back when and um the Nordic Nanny and um Yes, yes. And a nanny's guide. Those are some of the first um, people that I remember connecting with. And um, I believe all of those people do not live in the United States. I might be wrong. So correct me if I'm wrong. No. I'm... Well, so Siri <laughs> lives here, but she's from overseas. Okay. Um, 
Of course, Nanny of Oz is in Australia. And I think Jess is in Oklahoma, I want to say. Okay. Okay. And so what? Because she's all really different. close with um, uh, Alyssa. Okay. So so I have a couple from all different places, I guess. But I, I remember there being more of an abundance of nannies from, from like the UK, because I know that that's a lot more, um, I don't want to say normalized, but maybe you you see nannies more often over there. And I, I was seeing a lot of profiles from um, the schools over there and things like that. So that's kind of where my my interest in um, logging my nanny life on Instagram came from was I was like, yeah. man, it's cool to see other projects and other things people are doing. Like I want to share that too. So that's where that was born for me. That's good to know. I, you know, funny enough, I started, so when I lived, when I first moved back to Atlanta, I got on social media looking for nannies and like you didn't really find many here in the States, but on Twitter, there was a really solid nanny community and it was almost anonymous so it almost gave that like reddit vibe where you could say whatever you want um and the twitter nannies were already on and this was like 2015 2016 they were already on the like no face no case like respect your families like keep your business private but let's talk about these things that we're all going through so that was where i got my start and then in 2020 when we were all isolated i was like you know what because i had a like a little private nanny Graham, um, that was more geared towards the families that I was working with. But um, yeah, ye old 2019, what a different time. It, it feels strange now to look back on that, the pre, pre-COVID time, because you're like, whoa, that was different. Uh, but yeah, for sure. And even now, it feels like we're coming down off that that high, that yeah. mountain that we were kind of on um, in 2020 and 2021, and things are you know, sort of settling down on Nannygram, I would say. Um, I still find it to be a very enjoyable experience, um, but I'm very particular about my bubble um, and and even just how I show up there. Like I had to learn the balance of not depending on social media to keep me going as a nanny, you know, on the day to day. But yeah, Nannygram's lit. I, I can't imagine anyone listening to this is not on Nannygram <laughs> or is not aware of it. Yeah. But if you're not, tap in for sure. <laughs> I, I love the visibility that Nannygram gives to our job because it really often feels like a secret society. And I like being able to see, okay, maybe we're not doing the same thing, but we all kind of go through a similar experience. So that just makes me feel seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, and it makes... You know, it makes the invisible work visible just in general. It puts a face to a title because I think it's easy for people to dismiss like the idea of what we do. But once you have like, I am a human person and I, you know, I have needs and feelings and I have motivations for being here. I'm not just here because I have to be. I'm not just here because someone asked me to be, you know, I want to participate in my experience. So for sure. Love how we are showing up all together. And because we are showing up so much on social media, there's just so much content to digest. And another segment that we're doing here is called Nanny Goals or Nanny No-No, where we sort of examine posts from social media that may or may not have gone viral. And we like to decide if this nanny is goals and we want to be just like them, or if maybe they're misstepping a little bit and we would handle it a little bit differently. So for this week's edition of Nanny Goals or No No, we went to Reddit <clears throat> and we found a post from um, a user who asks, is it crazy to buy my own stroller? 
Um, so this person says, I work for two families and both of them often occasionally forget to leave me the stroller and take it in their car to work. Side note, forget you. You remember you left them kids at home, right? Right, right. Anywho, <laughs> it's been two. It's been two weeks since I've gone for a walk. Now, I'm sorry. What? Um, is it crazy for me to buy my own used stroller just so I can get out of the house? I already bought a two a baby. I don't. I'm not familiar with that brand. Uh, because I couldn't stand one of my nanny kids screaming anytime he was on the floor. Am I stupid for buying even more baby equipment? What do you think, Kira? Is this goals? Is this is this how we do it? <laughs> I think this can come down to um, is this your profession or is this something that you're kind of doing in between? Because if you're in between things and you're um, nannying, which is cool, I wouldn't see um, wanting to invest in something as big as a stroller. And I can see, you know, if you're getting a deal, you're buying it used, maybe you're going to resell it or re-give it. You know, that's cool. I myself, as... Um, you know, somebody that's in this for the long haul. Um, I like to invest in my equipment and things like that. And I, I do call it my equipment, my tools for the job. You know what I mean? So I would absolutely invest in the stroller, especially if you're going to be using it for multiple families. Um, it's something that you can be comfortable with that you really like and to keep your own. Um, I, I often buy a lot of my, you know, I buy special toys or things if we're working on certain, um, certain things, or I like to buy books if I'm trying to cover a topic. So I like to buy my own equipment and we'll get into it more later. But, um, I often hold a little bit of guilt for asking nanny families to, to buy an extra of something or things like that just for myself, because I know again, that I like to keep, keep it and use it with future families. So I, I kind of will put my own investment into things like that. If it's that important that we um, are able to get out of the house and go on a stroller walk, you know, every day or as often as possible, then I, I see no problem buying yourself a stroller, you know, go for it, Annie. <laughs> Carrie, you got money, huh? Because <laughs> I just, I feel like I, so I can agree with, if this is your career, there are certain things that you're just going to invest in because mm -hmm. you want to make sure you have them, right? When I worked nanny shares, I was the first time I had my own diaper bag because yeah. nobody <laughs> thinks about you in a nanny share. No, truly. Like families don't, and I, I don't think it's on purpose. Mm -hmm. I think it's very much, I, I provided for my child you, you, you know, the other family right. can provide for theirs, but some of the things that you need when you have both kids, like a double stroller or like, you know, your own diaper bag, families mm -hmm. feel like, you know, why would I buy another, why would I buy a double stroller if I only have one kid? Right. Um, but the way strollers be cost in these days, friend, <laughs> I, because the ones that are affordable are garbage. Like you yeah. can't, like if the road is not paved and like super smooth and stuff like that it's such a struggle so families are paying upwards of a thousand dollars for strollers and yeah for sure I don't have that personally so our solution when I did a nanny share because I, do, I did run into the problem of people forgetting about me you know leaving yes. things in the car that they are going to use the next time they use the car or whatever um not intentionally trying to hurt me um, I was willing to buy things to modify the stroller to make it work for two children. So okay. I still need you to leave that stroller home, but I'll get the little anchors or maybe the rumble seat. We had the um, up a baby 
configuration, I'll pay for that <laughs> and I will keep it. And right. yes, we don't have to, you know, worry about it. But so I guess it comes down to if you can afford it, if it does not disrupt your life, go for it. I will say, I think it is wildly inconsiderate for families to leave you with babies and not equipment to take care of them. I think yes, wild. absolutely. Well, it, it comes down to, you know, the relationship with the family and things like that too, because I'm not, I've worked in families where if I were to bring my own, um, supplies or things in that they may end up being eaten by the dog or they may end up, you know, not seeing the respect, um, that I would treat them with. So I, you know, you really have to read the room on that situation. Um, thankfully I work for a family now that has a very good understanding of, you know, all of my things have my name on them. If something were to happen, they're willing to replace it. I also understand that, you know, kid, things happen with kids. So, you know, on both fronts, we're really cool with it. We're communicative with it. Um, and so it works out in that way. If I was working for a family that, you know, might forget my things as much as they forget their things or things like that, I might not want to invest that kind of money in that situation. So um, you got to just really think through that, especially with a big investment like a stroller. Yeah, because then you find yourself guarding it. Like you don't ever yes. want to leave it at work. Like you don't ever want to let anything happen to it. Um, yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> things do, do happen. It is understandable. Like people forget things in their vehicles. Getting out of the yeah. car with babies is difficult. Um, but two weeks working as a nanny without being able to walk outside is wild. And, and I really think, like you said, it's not on purpose because parents are not, you know, Oh, I have to make sure that I get the stroller out so that the nanny can take my kid on the walk. They would like their kid to be going on a walk, but that might not be in the front of the brain at the time um, that we're getting ready to go to work or whatever. So it's understandable on both parts. But um, if you think about it, taking a walk during the day, especially if you're not able to take the kids in your vehicle or out of the house is, I mean, that's integral. So, um, if I was in that situation, I could see myself buying a stroller. If I, if that was going to help my mental health, uh, and help the kids get out of the house and just make it easier for everybody, then I'd go for it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I ha I got a diaper bag when I did a share, and I had like my own first aid kit, which actually my boyfriend would replenish. That was like his contribution to my career. Um, and like my own um, thermometer because child, sick yes. children in a share. <laughs> um, and my own supplies. And I, I do buy like books and stuff like that. But um, a stroller would be big for me. But that's reflective of my financial situation right. in comparison to my bosses. Um <laughs> Which brings us right on through. Yeah, that's going to bring us right on through to the main topic because I think in, so in my career, I will say <laughs> the, there's only one nanny I've ever known who had just as much, if not more at home than they had at work, meaning she and her partner had like a bigger home and, and a greater income and all that stuff than her nanny family. And I, you know, obviously there are nannies who work for like educators and, um, you know, some less lucrative fields where they are, are pretty comparative, but, uh, or comparable, but you also don't see families hiring nannies within their tax bracket because what sense would that make? Like you, yeah. you now have to pay, even more of your income. You know what I mean? Like yes. that, that percentage gets a little, 
Hazy, so I'm wondering for you, has it been the same experience? Have you known nannies who were doing similar as, as their bosses or is it typically the drastic difference? In my experience, I don't, I don't know that I've ever met a nanny that, um, exists in the same tax bracket as their nanny family does. I think that that's, uh, that has to do with the nature of this job. You know what I mean? Um, because if I had enough money to pay for someone else's salary, I may not, uh, you know, have to make the, the same choices that I make. And so I, I don't think it's very often that nannies work in the same uh, tax bracket as their families. Is it possible? Absolutely. And um, I think that comes back to this being a heart work. Um, I could see myself doing this still, even if I, I made loads of money and didn't have to work, maybe I would still do this just to fulfill that, that passion piece of it. Um, but I think that, um, it, it comes down to the nature of the fact that, you know, maybe these, these two people, these parents in a household work and they pay for someone else's salary, you know, which is me. So <laughs> I, I don't know that I've met another nanny that, um, a nanny that works in the same tax bracket as their family. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Listen, I was surprised. Okay. And <laughs> she, I'm not going to call you out friend, but you know who you are. She's incredible. She's a great, she was a great nanny. Um, she, you know, reached out to me and was like, let's hang out. Like let's, yeah. I thought she was her nanny kid's mom because, um, she dressed like the moms right, right, right. <laughs> where we would be. Um, and then I found out she was the nanny and we started hanging out and, and we were, you know, good friends. We, we had, we would get our nanny kids together and, and things like that. And then I went to her house one day and I was like, Oh, okay. Awesome. <laughs> and then she got married yeah. and she now has two kids. So she's a stay at home mom in Buckhead. Like, and it, for me, it was just like, wow, like you really, like you said, this was hard work for you. Right. You really wanted to be here. You wanted to help kids grow and develop and hit milestones. And now you get to do it with your own, which is I amazing. That. But that is not a typical nanny story at all. Um, so do you remember the first time when you were like at work and you were like, ooh, we are different. <laughs> I, I, yes, I have a couple of moments. The one that I'll, I'll hit on for this is definitely, um, so I, I'm not sure I, like I said, I'm, I'm young as far as uh, the nannies in the game right now go, but, um, I remember, um, the craze that was American Girl Dolls. And I remember working one of the first homes that I worked in for, um, parents that made more money than I was used to, um, was just this overabundance of not only toys, but extremely expensive toys like American Girl dolls. I mean, they had a like a frog or an extra area of the house and there was probably 50 of them in there. I mean, accessories just over overabundance in general. Um it 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 was shocking to me because, you know, growing up um in the tax bracket that I grew up in, um my mama was not about to buy me a $200 doll when she knew I was going to be growing out of that in 2 years. You know what I'm saying? Um if your Christmas budget is $200 a child, you're not buying one 
one doll, one item. Um, so when I, you know, go in there, I'm like, you guys are bored? Like, look at all of this, you know? Like, I'd be having a field day in here right now as an adult that never got to play with these things as a child. So um, that was, was one of the biggest shocks for me. And things just like like gymnastics equipment in the home and, like, the, the multiple, like, big nugget couches. I mean, things that are just big-ticket items that are um, in excess was – was really shocking to me and the, the Christmases that um, these families have and things like that I was like Whoo! and somehow um, I, I've experienced trying to um, weed through toys in these situations and saying you know hey what what do we feel like we're not playing with anymore what do we feel like we can donate and that concept was so foreign um, to some of these children that um, it was it was shocking it shook me to my core in a way because it's like okay so somehow we have no idea what to do because again there's so many things to look at it's almost overwhelming for the children um, that we can't rationalize trying to go through a box of things that maybe we don't play with anymore or get rid of anything um so i would have to say that was one of my first big big culture shocks <laughs> yeah i that the toys thing and it's interesting because i don't know i i try not to think of it as excess because to someone it was important and I have learned over the years that it's not always mom and dad. A lot of times it's extended family. It's, you know, friends of the family. It's, you know, when everybody around you has more, that things just happen on a grander scale. That does not make it less overwhelming for me. Um, two of my kids just had birthday parties and I avoided the playroom all week. And I went down there yesterday and I was just like... All right, here we go. Like next week, next week, I'm going to have to, you know, dig in and, and get these things organized. But I remember the first time I realized we are very different. I played myself, Kira. So my first job was in New York City, right? And so I worked for a family, a fairly young, I mean, they were older than I was at the time. I think they were late 20s, almost 30. Um, but they had just, you know, a little two bedroom apartment, you know, nothing, nothing too crazy. They were on the 35th floor, so the view was epic. So for me, my my little poor self, I was like, oh, y'all get to look at this every day. And they were like, yeah, it's, it's cute or whatever. Um, so I worked for them for three years, I think. But about six months in, they were telling me that they were headed out to Long Island to see some family. And I was like, oh, um, how do you guys typically get out there, right? Because New York City, people don't drive. There's no where to park, whatever. And she was like, Our, we have a car. And I was like, you, huh? <laughs> they had a car. I had no idea. They hadn't used it in six months, right? So I was like, so where is the car? Right. Like, we're in the city. And they were like, oh, we had. there's a parking garage around the corner and you just have to pay per month to, to keep the car. Oh. Kira. So I Googled, just, you know, just to see. <laughs> They were paying almost $1,000 a month to store a car that was not paid off Woo. just for these occasional visits. And I was just like, you know what? I just, cool. Got it. Understood. You know? And for me, it was like, you know, I can't, they pay me what they need to pay me. I can't, you know, count their coins. I cannot right. tell them how to spend their money. And it, obviously it's important to them, but 
I just could not fathom giving that much money away and not using the vehicle. Yes. Like it blew my yes. mind. Um, and after that, I just realized like not everything is what you think. You know, if someone can afford to pay you, then they're probably living a little bit differently than you are because you can't afford to pay you. So <laughs> exactly. And that's where, like I said, the intimacy of our job can can become difficult because you walk into someone else's home every day. And, you know, I have the the experience of kind of walking in from from poverty to um, higher class homes, but maybe someone else's experience is working for a family of, you know, of a different race or of a different background or of a different culture or of, you know, there's so many different things because every family and every nanny pair is so different. So it's, it's really difficult to change, you know, what you do every day or what you might be used to when you walk into somebody's home to work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that is so true because like, Things that we think we understand Mm -hmm. are completely different to the families that we work for. Like, and, and part of the job, right, is figuring out how they think, how they see the world, how they want their kids to see the world, how they want to communicate about the world to their kids. So you have to kind of get in their brain and sometimes it can be conflicting, you know, because Mm -hmm. sometimes the issues are not silly issues like toys sometimes it's not you know I used to really struggle with food yes at work yeah and like the amount of waste um I used to struggle with meal times because not everyone sits down and has a meal together and mm-hmm. honestly it's it's becoming the norm across tax brackets honestly for you know kids have their little meal and then the adults eat once the kids are out of the way sort of thing so it really is like you said a constant 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 learning experience I had to learn you know how to dress my nanny kids which that yes (laughs) super intimidating to me because I don't I still seven years and I'm still not quite inside my boss's head when it comes to (laughs) what they wear. And I just ask a million questions. Cause I don't know. Yeah. I don't know in what environment it really matters that they look a certain way or that they dress a certain way. Like I don't, the, I think the social culture of, of the privilege is, is my biggest struggle. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly. Like it's interesting, especially here in Atlanta, because it's, it's a tiny little bubble. I've lived here most of my life had no idea until I started working in Buckhead, like how things work, if that makes sense, you know? It's it like, does, yeah. And I've noticed, yeah. and I don't know if you've experienced this too, but sometimes you may work for one family and you would adjust how you work for their family and their lifestyle. And then maybe you work for a different family that, you know, you assume is kind of in the same social or economic kind of tier. But again, every family's different. So maybe this family is a little more laid back on dress. And so you're like, oh, I made sure that I did this and this. And they're like, oh, that's cool. You didn't have to do all that. Thanks. And I was like, oh, well, I thought you'd be upset if I didn't. So it's it's adjusting for every different situation. And that I could see um, would become really difficult in a nanny share or something like that, which I've never um, experienced. But I can't imagine having to, um, you know, follow the needs and the desires of multiple different parents at the same time with you being just the one nanny. <laughs> Listen to me. Okay, listen to me. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. The mental load Mm. of working a nanny share with two families who appear 
for all intents and purposes, to be similar. Yes. But could not be more different. When I say could not be more different, it would, and it wasn't, the answer was not always finding a happy medium because some things people were not willing to compromise right. on. Yep. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm like, well, all of y'all are tripping, honestly, because it's not that deep, but to them it is. It so is, it's like, yeah. how do you, whoo, sorry, you took me back. That's I, a lot to juggle. It is. It's, um, it's juggling PTSD. every family's different preferences at one time, you know, and you have a way that you like to do things yourself. And a lot of times that gets put on the back burner because you're raising someone else's kids. So, um, mm -hmm. that's, that's been hard for me. Um, especially talking about food, like you were kind of, kind of mentioning, we'll have to get into that. Yeah. Or even like thinking about like what bath time looks like. Yes. It's not a universal thing. It is not. Some families are happy to put their two-year-old in the shower and let them figure it out. Some families, you know, want you to, you know, set the scene and really ease them into bedtime. Like it just, and it's funny because this is a cultural difference where I think I, was done a disservice in my upbringing. Sorry, mom, love you lots. <laughs> but I have had to literally unlearn certain concepts. Like, you need to eat what I put in front of you, bro. Yeah, like, you can't. Yeah. Or if you dump your whole plate in the trash, you don't get a snack. Like, that. those oh, things absolutely. I've had to, like, whoo, get out of my system. Yeah. Because it's like, they don't have a scarcity mindset. They're not. My mom did it because that was all we had. And that's the difference um, <laughs> that I've seen. Them, yeah. yeah. So one yeah. one of my uh, um, other culture shocks when it came to starting to work for, for families of higher incomes was um, they all be having an extra freezer or an extra refrigerator in oh, the garage. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. um, neighborhood kids are welcome to it. And that was shocking to me because it was, we haven't, we ha barely have enough food for us right now. You know, it's, mm -hmm. do I buy gas or do I buy dinner? It's this mm -hmm. choices that these families maybe have never had to make. I don't really know your life story, but you know, maybe that's just not something you've had to think about. So yeah, when my kids' friends come over, everybody can have a popsicle or, or whatever. And that's beautiful and that's abundant, but I was not used to that. And so I was always, oh, is this okay to do, you know, asking all them questions because you want to mm -hmm. make sure that you're not, you know, giving away somebody's food. Um, because right. that, you know, that was the situation that I was going through. Um, so that, uh, that was hard for me, I think. And my kids would look at me like I had two heads sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, look, mm -hmm. I'm just trying to make sure food's expensive. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. Like you, you find yourself trying to, like you said, protect your nanny family, trying to make responsible yes. decisions. Like if my boss says, you know, grab the kids dinner, we're getting, a kid's meal. We're getting nuggets. We're keeping it basic <laughs> so that the reimbursement isn't bad. But have yes. you ever been cursed out by a six-year-old because they wanted a sandwich because they're a big kid now? Because I have. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Only for my yes. bosses to be like, yeah, we do we do get them the sandwich that was kind of cheap. You know? Like, yes. I... Or they request some kind of um, some kind of food that I've never even heard of. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or just, um, yeah. And that, and that can go down to even just working for a family of a different culture or anything. You know? It's mm -hmm. like food is such, it's something that we all um 
have beliefs around and I think that we all grow up around a certain way and so that is something so major to to everyday life that you know you come into the Mm -hmm. situation and like you said maybe maybe this family doesn't sit down and have dinner all together like like my family did and so um you know we're getting up and we're walking around or we're throwing things away or I'm just like where Mm -hmm. did that go you only have a sandwich like I'm saving that or I'm gonna eat that because I'm not throwing that away or or whatever and it's re Mm -hmm. relearning all of that like you said yeah, and another cultural shock to me, because you mentioned neighbors. Friend, one day, so my nanny family, not that long ago, but they moved to a new neighborhood during the Panini. Mm. And they moved into a home that was occupied by a family with school-aged children who were besties with the neighbors, okay? The neighbors were not ready to let that go, so <laughs> they spent a lot of time trying to get into the house. Okay. And one day the door was not locked to like the back of the house, I guess. Mm. I don't, I don't know where this kid came from, to be completely (laughs) honest. I was sitting in the playroom with my nanny kids and another kid appeared and was like, Hey, you want to come to my house and play? And I was like, what is happening? This is how we do things. (laughs) In my mind, this kid's mom has no idea where he is. This kid's mom is freaking out or this kid's nanny or whatever. Like, we need to get this kid home. Like, I thought I was doing the right thing. Then people were like, yeah, we sent him over to see if you guys wanted to play. You're like, oh. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, drop my kid off at a birthday party. No adult in sight. Just an older kid. Whew. Saying, uh, thanks, thanks. He'll be ready at six. Right. Who are you? But these these communities operate that way and they have that level of trust and 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 things I guess don't go wrong as much I don't know but I'm always seen as like overbearing overprotective like Mm -hmm. over but I'm like they're paying me I can't just be like sure take my kid who cares like I'll be at the house right and um, we have to remember that they're not our kids so you have that extra layer of I'm in church right now and I don't know you know who's coming in who's coming out like that's not that's not going to fly with me. So I'm, yeah, definitely on the job. It's like, I am in, I don't want to say mama bear mode, but maybe nanny bear mode. You know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm going to know what's going on and I'm going to ask the questions and we're going to make sure that we're doing it. Um, how, how the parents want it to be done. Um, at least to an extent, you know, I get, I get some leeway with that, but, um, yeah, it's, it, it can be difficult not knowing the, um, it's like the norms of the household almost. So when I do like my initial interviews, I feel like I ask so many questions that they're like, I haven't ever even thought of that. And I'm like, well, you'd be surprised. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I send my boss so many questions every single day and I know she's <laughs> at her office like, girl, <laughs> But I don't, I would, I would rather do it right the first time. Um, and if I'm unclear, then that means there is room for interpretation and I don't want to interpret. I want to just do, right. um, I want to ask you, what is the most, cause we, you know, we obviously know that the other half lives differently than we do, <laughs> but what was the most like surprising cultural difference you've encountered where you were like, I'm sorry, what? Like had no idea that was even ever a thing. That's tricky. I'm going to have to think on that one. Let's see. I could share one while you think. Yeah, friend. please do. Please do. Was it you I was talking to? This I might actually be stealing yours. The pajamas. Did we talk about this? Was it me and you? 
I'm, I'm not sure. T- remind me. Tell okay, me. Okay, <laughs> maybe not. So my huge shock was that children, tiny little children who take a bath before bed every night, wear different pajamas every yes, single night. Yes, we did. We talked about that. Yeah. So I, I remember leaving out, you know, taking the pajamas off the baby and they're clean. You know, I save them for the next night and they would, I would find them in the laundry and that's cool, but that's just, you know, we, we would be three days out of those. Um, and you know, if I'm not spilling, I'm sleeping in them. <laughs> it's hardcore. I also learned a couple years ago. Well, it's probably been about five years now that rich can be a derogatory term. Hmm. <laughs> so the story is I was taking care of this kid who was playing pretend with a little barn and named the barn after a popular five-star hotel chain. Okay. And I posted a story about it. Um, and I think I hashtagged it rich kid problems or something <laughs> like that. That kid's mom was livid. Like really? livid. Ooh. Yeah. Like, it was my first, you know how when people say insensitive things and you think they should have known better and they're like, I had no idea. That was the first time where I was like, I never considered that would be offensive, but apparently it can be. So that, that was surprising for sure. I think, I think it can be hard for people. Um, money, money in general is hard for people. Um, and so I think that, um, you know, we, we kind of live our lives a certain way and we know that other people have, you know, predispositions about what it means to be rich or what it means to be poor or, or, or any of those things. But the fact of the matter is that we all, we all exist in society together. So it's, um, it's pertinent that we, I think, listen to other people's stories about that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause for me, rich is the goal. Rich is the pinnacle. Rich is you've made it. Like that's where, Growing up as a kid, it was like, I want to be rich. And so to hear from someone with means say that that is offensive to them, I, it took me three days to process that. I was like, what? Like, like in what way? Yeah. Because it wasn't just that I said the kid was rich, but it was because the kid is rich. You know what I mean? Like, yes, yes. It explained to me that I'm, it's not the label, but the, I don't want other people to see that a certain, I don't know. It was a shock to me. I, I wasn't ready. It, so. it almost seems like we often try to hide what our status is, I guess. Um, whether you make an abundance of money or you're living paycheck to paycheck, it seems like we kind of either try to live um, above our means or below our means, whether we're doing that consciously or subconsciously. Um, and so maybe, and I, I've never um, lived in an abundance of money yet in my life, you know, it's coming for me, yes. but, um, Amen. right. Yes. But I, I like to at least like, I, I think we're going to talk a little bit about, um, what I've imparted onto my nanny families and what a nanny families imparted onto me. And I think I bring some of that, um, humility to the table for my background and maybe my family shows me some things, you know, that I've, I've never seen before, but that are valuable to me in a different way. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And before we get to that part, I want to see, I, I wonder your opinion on if we 
took money out of the equation, right? So if, oh, I don't know, one day the government decided, hey, early childhood matters, let's subsidize childcare, even if it's private. And so we were able to work with families who were from similar backgrounds as us without going without, without us lacking, without the families lacking. Do you think that would change, one, the perception of nanny life, and then two, just this imbalance of power that I think permeates the entire industry? If we if we could get rid of money as such a weapon, such a tool, such a huge part of this industry, what would it look like then? That's really, it's really interesting to think about because... Um... I don't know a lot of people that come into this job hoping to become rich through it, if that makes sense. Um, so I think that a lot of the reason why we're here is either because this is what I know or this is my option, or I love the intimacy of working with children in their own home. And I think that if money wasn't a factor, if I was able to work for families with um, that grew up similarly to me, or maybe families that have children with disabilities that can't afford what we call this luxury childcare service that is nannying, I would do that instead because that's where my heart lives. But I did that and I didn't make enough money to survive doing that. So I was forced to work for higher income families that could afford to pay me what I need to pay to live. If that wasn't, wasn't there, I, I would probably be working for much different families, if that makes sense. Now, do I love my families that make more money than I've ever seen in my life? Yes, I love them. Um, but would I rather be doing something maybe, um, with a more marginalized group of people? Absolutely, because I feel like that's where my heartstrings go, and I've done that work before. But again, if you can't live, you can't live. Um, so then it takes the choice away, if that makes sense. So if money wasn't a factor, I think that the people that are here um, because they're in it for their for the passion of it would still be here. Um, and I think, you know, there's, there's few and far between nannies that come in to this that are trying to... Um, make make bank <laughs> and maybe it's they wouldn't right and maybe they wouldn't be this in this anymore if money you know was taken out of it if we could all just like pick what we wanted to do um and did it and were able to live you know maybe mm -hmm. maybe some people wouldn't be here still i i think i would be here still <laughs> yeah no i would definitely be here still um i'm just not built for corporate life. I'm not built. I'm really not built to be an entrepreneur because the way that me and my bed have this relationship, if I don't have to be anywhere, I'm not going to be anywhere. Um, but I also, to your point about more marginalized communities, I struggled with that for the longest, I will say, um, feeling like, because there's this, there's this line, right. Of, of acceptable or of intelligent or of uh performing well or you know well adjusted of what we want kids to feel like and be like going into institutions going into you know regular school settings and things like that and um there's a song in a musical that says they just keep moving the line and it feels like me being a full-time nanny and pouring into families who have the means to get it, whether I'm there or not, it feels like I'm helping to move that line. Sometimes I won't lie to you, especially 
when we're dealing with these culture shock things where it's like, you have no idea how blessed you are. You have no idea how different life could be if your parents had a little bit less money or less access or less connections or whatever. But I read, um, and I wish I could tell you where I read it. I want to say the whole brain, I want to say, but it basically says that money does not change the psychological journey of childhood, right? Money yes. does not make it better, we, basically. I would love to touch um, on that uh, because I've definitely worked in households and in families that um, use money as a way of giving to children where they can't give in in time and um maybe there's some choices that we could make that that would change that and maybe there's not i don't know the situation but um i definitely have seen children that are living in and i'll use the word rich and rich households that are struggling um because they're not receiving the connection um, or, or the stability or things, um, you know, there are definitely areas that can be lacking if money is abundant and, um, there's, you can't replace, um, you, you know, time or you can't replace, um, connection or you can't replace whatever it is with, um, with things. And, um, I, I see that happen often actually. Um, but again, you know, it's not to, it's not to, to talk, any type of way about people that want to invest in their career because um that's that's kind of where nannies come in in a way because I can come in and we can create a new connection or um you know whatever is missing through means of other people so yeah <laughs> listen when they said more money more problems that that's not a lie and I think in the beginning of my career I was very much of the mindset that these people are just choosing not to opt out of the rat race. You know, they're yeah. just choosing this struggle. But the truth of the matter is, if that is your culture, for lack of a better term, mm -hmm. if that's your cohort, if that is what appeals to you, like the, the end game of I want all my children to have the ability to choose what school they go to and get a degree without debt, right. or I want my children to have the best possible education. I don't care that the public schools are good, the private schools are better. Like those, I had to learn that those decisions are not selfish of parents necessarily. Yes, yep. They have the absolute best intentions. And sometimes part of doing well is playing the game in society and just mm -hmm. being open to what it takes to get your kids where you want to get them or to get your family positioned where you want to get them. And so instead of looking at it as, you know, they've cho chosen this much harder route that means that they can't spend time with their kids and they can't do, you know, X, Y, and Z. Right. I look at it as they had the foresight to bring me in to fill in that gap yes, so that they can have the best of both worlds. I think as I have transitioned to part-time, there have been days where I felt useless yeah. <laughs> and pointless yeah. and I felt like furniture in the house because you know school is exciting extracurriculars are exciting birthday parties are exciting play dates are exciting um you know Halloween parties trick-or-treating going out with mom and dad those things are exciting and I'm just the nanny who's at home you know making sure the dishes are done making sure you got your homework done kind of yeah. keeping the train on the track so that you can do all of those things right but there's absolutely value in that 
And not everyone can provide that. Not everyone can be fulfilled being the anchor, being the rock. And the truth of the matter is I'm cool with it. Like it's difficult sometimes to help the children understand, you know, a lot of times my kids get frustrated with me because for them, I'm a fun sucker. I'm ruining, you know, they (laughs) were, they were on a roll and I done slowed them down, but ultimately their life is balanced because of that. So yes, the appreciation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And just the connection, like, some days it's hard for me to see the value in staying, right? Right. Because I could be somewhere else where I could be, you know, spending all my time one-on-one with a child, right? Which is not what my job is like these days at all. But the truth of the matter is that I fit in there somewhere, you know? And if I was gone, it would leave a void. And, you know, if my bosses want me on board and, you know, I'm still connected to the kids then I'm absolutely serving a purpose and it is giving me so much time (laughs) to rest and reflect and to just you know be cool with me again so well I feel like um um, as a part-time nanny myself I've recently got gotten gone part-time um I feel like we're able to provide the gift of um stability in authentic connection with our nanny kids because like you said we're going places we're seeing people you know there's visitors but when we're home with nanny we know what's happening we know that we can you know relax and just play with our toys we know that you know we we know what to expect and there's um there's something nice about the routine and the boundaries that they know that I have when I'm there because when Kira is there you know we do things a certain way we know that we're going to be having a bath or we know that we're going to be served a meal and we're not going to get something else afterwards or whatever it is. Um, and it, it comes down to, you know, when you're in a long-term nanny position and you're able to be, I've been with my current kids since they were 11 months old and now they're three. So I have, I don't like to use the word train, but in a sense, I have trained them to know what to expect from me. And they, even though consciously they don't realize it subconsciously, their little minds and bodies just love that stability. Because when I'm not there, we're going to the pumpkin patch or we're going to see grandma or things are just different, you know? So I think that they, and I know myself as a child that, that moved schools a lot and moved houses a lot and just restarted a lot, that once you are able to feel that feeling of stability. Like when I come home, I know what's going to be happening. It feels really good. Um, and so for rich or for poor, um, stability matters. <laughs> and yes. I feel like nannies can really much. provide that. Absolutely. I love that you said that, you know, you growing up didn't necessarily have the stability that you're providing because wow, that was my life. Um, I went to 11 schools before high school. Um, And, you know, like they say, you go on vacation, you go to this beautiful resort, you sleep in this perfect bed, you know, you have all this, but there's nothing like coming home, taking a shower in your bathroom, getting in your bed, however lumpy, bumpy or dumpy it might be like, and just knowing like, this is my space. This is where I'm safe. And I I like to think that our kiddos feel the same way. Like I don't have to be a certain way. I don't have to perform. Sometimes it's extreme (laughs) well and sometimes that means you know yes when I come home from school I feel so safe and so comfortable that I can let it all out and um Mm -hmm. that can be emotionally taxing for us but that feels so good to me because I know that I'm that person for you 
you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, mm-hmm. that's, 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 um, you can't put a price on that. So you can't, I agree. So let's go on and talk about the upgrades then since you, you know, you said you <laughs> upgraded them, you know what I mean? Yes. I mean, obviously they have that stability. They know that you're going to be there, but what other ways do you feel like you have upgraded your nanny fam and, and how have they maybe upgraded you in life? Well, um, let's see. So I, one of the things that I've noticed in some other um, households is um, is books. Books are very readily available. And um, I started with my current nanny family, like I said, when they were 11 months old. So they weren't quite at a place where they, they had an overabundance of, of things like that yet. And I, um, I remember growing up, you know, I had access to books via means of school or like the library, but we didn't have, you know, bookshelves full of children's books in my house because books are expensive. So something that I feel like I, I kind of missed out on a little bit in a way I'm able to bring in to my nanny kids because I love to buy children's books now and it makes my it makes little Kira inside me happy because I get to have these things now um, you know that I can afford them for myself and I get to bring that gift to my nanny kids because I get to curate you know I get to pick out diverse books or books about topics that they've never seen before or books with people that they don't see you know in their circles and I feel like I can um, I can open their eyes up to so many different parts of the world and different cultures through books um, that they may not be exposed to. So I feel like that's a way that I've, I've upgraded my nanny families because, um, you know, that wasn't always there for me. So I want to make sure that's there for my nanny kids. And I, um, I keep my personal nanny library and I bring things in and I take things back home and I get to show them to all different kids. And it's just awesome. I love that. Oh, I love that so much. (laughs) I often wonder how I may or may not have upgraded my nanny family. I do think (laughs) my openness with my nanny kids about my own life has really opened up their worldview. Right. (laughs) I mean, there's the basic, right? I'm black. (laughs) My mom is black. My sister's black. My boyfriend is black. And we are people in their lives who contribute in a positive way. My kids talk to my mom on the phone all the time. Um, My sister babysits my nanny kids a ton. She used to be their gymboree teacher. Like my boyfriend will come over and play soccer because man, these lungs are not, (laughs) but he can handle that. Um, And it, I have seen it, you know, positively impact their worldview because I've seen like kids make fun my nanny kid told me one time that his friends was were making fun of this little girl who had curly hair Mm. saying she had wild and crazy hair and he was like it's not wild it's not crazy it's just curly and lots of people in this world have curly hair and it's still beautiful like you know what I mean or um understanding like their understanding of money is still not, you know, they're kids, right? Yeah. But right. they come to my house and they're like, oh, you don't have any stairs inside your house, but it's still <laughs> cute. Like, some people like, like people live different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't have, like, they always ask me, like, why do you have such a small house? And I'm like, first of all, I'm a small bank account, but also, <laughs> I don't like to clean. Why would I buy a big old house and have to clean it up? And they're like, well, why don't you just hire someone? I go back to point one, I don't have a large <laughs> bank account. I'm gonna clean my house, but also right. it's just a cultural difference. Like it is. I'm gonna clean my own house. Um, absolutely. And then also music. So I am Oh yeah. And not for nothing, their dad is really into music. Um, but I have a very, very, very diverse musical palette. And 
I like to introduce them to different, you know, yes. sorts of music and stuff. And when we ride in the car, we all take turns being the DJ. I will listen to anything. If I can sing it, it's cool. Like, you know, so they get a lot of <laughs> yeah. autonomy with music with me. It can be very loud. I can handle loud. Mom isn't really the biggest fan of loud. Yeah. <laughs> so they know that like with me, they can like absolutely turn up, let it out, scream, holler. Um, and that. there's typically no issue. Uh, some, some <laughs> days I have headaches, but. Right, um, right. And I just want to say, I have learned from nanny families to make it nice, if that makes sense. The So growing up, and it's funny because my mom, my mom would be like, girl, I made it nice your whole life. Yes, but. Yeah. I didn't really see the process of making it nice. And I didn't really learn my idea of what I thought making it nice was until I was able to pull from both my upbringing and, you know, some of the families that I've worked with and for and kind of learn like, you know, some things cost more, but they're worth it because they last longer, you know, they're more durable or, you know, things like that. So I, I, I will give them credit. (laughs) On that end, I'm still cheap though. I'm always going to be cheap. (laughs) Well, it's almost like the gift of perspective from either way, because, you know, had I not worked for certain families, I probably would never have come across certain items or certain foods Mm -hmm. or things Mm -hmm. like that, because I'm not going to, you know, spend the money on something. I don't know if I'm going to like it or not is, you know, kind of thing. So you get to experience a whole new way of life and pick what you want to keep and what you don't. So it's really, it's a unique situation. (laughs) <laughs> isn't it like you get to test drive the finer things and be like oh that's not even worth it or wow this has changed my life I will that's absolutely- how I picked my car actually my nanny family I loved their vehicle and I said well I'm driving the kids everywhere I'm gonna get me one of these you know what I'm saying I wouldn't have yes. ever driven one of those beforehand um and so I, I worked that. with my nanny salary to get that for myself <laughs> so um <laughs> I just yeah. you know you never know what you're going to come across. And um, things that my nanny family have um, have gifted unto me, I want to go back to food really quick and say, you know, I, I'm one to usually buy, you know, the Walmart brand or kind of kind of things for everything. And I, you switched that, that Tillamook uh, cheese and butter and my life has been changed. So <laughs> I'll give that to my no, nanny family. My bosses, my bosses will go up for some Kerrygold. Like it's, it's yes. over with them. Uh, that is so funny okay so real quick I want to do an installment of is it just me today which I you know listeners if you want to write in and give me an example of something that is bothering you about your job and you want to see if this is something we all deal with go ahead and email me um my email is amber at ananieslife.com if you put in the subject line is it just me I probably will open it faster okay and i will read it anonymously i will pretend i don't see your name you don't exist we're just gonna get to the facts but this one was sent to me from a nanny group now y'all i'm not in many like facebook nanny groups so don't be looking for me but people tend to send me things and i thought this one was really interesting and i'm gonna do my best to reserve my judgment until after you weigh in okay okay so we just don't this Yes. Okay. So the post says, does someone need to let me know I'm being tracked? Just got a call from my boss asking Mm. if I was lost. We don't share locations on mobile devices. So I'm thinking car GPS. It was creepy nonetheless. And I wish they had let me know. And for context, I will include 
this person was driving their nanny kid home <laughs> from an approved activity, but okay. in the nanny family's car. Missed one turn and got a call. Okay. Okay. So is that normal or what's that? What'd you think? Not in my experience. Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. Just one gonna... more. I just want to add one more thing because, you know, the comments be commenting and yes. someone was like, well, you know, how, um, how do you feel about being tracked? And sh- this person said they offered when they first took the job to share locations and the, the parents declined. Okay. I thought that was important. That is that is important. That's interesting because um, I'm going to bring it to cameras really quick because I feel like that goes into this a little bit. And um, I have a clause in my contract that says, you know, the family reserves the right to have a camera, but you disclose to me where it is, what it records, sound, video, all that stuff. And we're all, you know, we're in cahoots on it. We're cool. So um, if you're having a conversation, you know. Do you want to share locations so that you got, you know, for safety, keep up with where the car is, whatever. Okay, cool. We had that conversation. If they say no and then decide to um, put some kind of device in there or they're watching regardless. And um, yeah, no, that feels that feels like it kind of um, there's a lack of trust there. And um, trust is one of the one of the pillars of, of nannying, I think that is non, non-negotiable. If you um, have, have anxiety or fear about where your nanny is going in the vehicle or with your kids or anything like that, it's, it's not, it's not going to work. Um, if that makes sense. If you feel the need um, to be tracking um, via whatever and not letting me know about it, then there's something that's going on with you or, or we need to have a conversation about this. Um, I'm cool with, you know, with the tracking or with the sharing of, of location or whatever, if we're all in on it. But, um, if you're gonna, you know, if I miss a turn and you're calling me, that shows me that, um, eyes are, eyes are on and, um, you know, that can be important for safety, but it can also just fester, um, anxiety, I think for both the nanny and the parents and the children, because the children are realizing that mom doesn't feel safe about something or, or something's going on. You know what I mean? And it just, the vibes get thrown off and we can't have the best possible relationship there, I think. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm going to offer what may end up being an unpopular opinion. (laughs) And I don't typically side with parents and I'm definitely not siding with this parent because I think she messed up, but I'm going to tell you where she messed up was not tracking the nanny. Right. Where she messed up was calling the second something wasn't exactly as she expected it to be. Um, Someone else, you know, they, they commented and conversed more and someone else shared that they have a specific model of car that you can set parameters. And so the second the car doesn't, isn't on that path anymore, they get an, an alert and that's probably what happened and probably why she was able to so quickly, um, you know, call and check in. But why would you do that? Like why, if it makes you feel better to track this person without their knowledge, because they are in possession of your offspring, right? That's one thing. Making it their problem by pestering them and messaging them and calling them. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah, now your nanny's uncomfortable every day. Right. Every day. Right. Na- now your nanny knows that like you can never relax in this situation because yes. 
it would be one thing if, if they were an hour late getting home or even maybe even 30 minutes late because this Atlanta traffic, um, we never make it home. <laughs> right. when we expect, you know what I mean? Like, and obviously this is easy for me to say because my bosses don't track me in that way. Or if they do, they're smart enough not to call me when I miss a turn. <laughs> like, do you see what I'm saying? Yes. It's, yes. It's like part of me understands that is your baby. Like that is, you know, yeah, for sure. You and you want to protect them, but like yeah. now you're creating a hostile work environment, and the person in the car with the with the nanny is not you; it's the baby. You know what I mean? And so now yes. it's like your nanny has to be emotionally mature enough to compartmentalize your passive aggressive behavior and not let it affect their job performance, like. Right. I mean, yes, we right. do it every day, but it really is asking a lot. I would be so creeped out. I would be well, so especially when the conversation has already been had about this topic. It, it kind of seems I like offered. you know we went over this. Right, yeah, weird. <laughs> right, right. And if you want to do Absolutely. that, I, I'm cool with it. I told you I was cool with it. So what? You know, why do you feel the need to be sneaky about it? That gives that sets sets things off for me because then it's like yeah. you know, am I able to make a decision about? the craft that we do? Can I make a decision about the food that I, I choose to serve? If I don't have autonomy Mm -hmm. and at least some of my choices about what I'm doing with the child, you may as well be, be doing my job for me. Um, I, the way I would not get in that car again, like it just, because I, you, this is already a high stakes job. Yes. There's already anxiety Mm -hmm. involved. This nanny is driving your car. That's that's anxiety. This right. nanny is driving your child in your car. That's anxiety. This, Trust. this nanny is in public <laughs> with your child in your car. We feel all of that. I don't yes. I don't know what makes parents assume that all of this for us is nothing. It's right. I'm not being nonchalant about this. Yeah. Absolutely. Like I would never like most people prefer a nanny car and they, you know, I always complain about how dirty my car is, but that's my car. Like I don't have to Exactly. You know? Um yes. And funny enough, this a similar situation <laughs> happened to me back in the day when I was working for a parent who had cameras in the home. We had a conversation about the cameras and the cameras were supposed to be. And this is what happens a lot of times with cameras where parents are like, oh, no, 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 that's not about you. That's for me. Right. So yeah. this was a single parent who had twin babies and she didn't quite have them sleeping in their cribs reliably yet. So she had one camera in the her little sunroom area and one in their bedroom so that she could keep track that way. And one day she got home from work late and she had told me, because I was like, shouldn't we put this camera in their room so that we can see each crib? Because I couldn't, that's what was happening. One of the kids, yeah. I couldn't see well because he was across the room from the other camera. So I can't tell if you're awake, if you're asleep, if you're whatever, whatever. She was like, no, I need it so I can watch them when they nap when I'm home. It's not about you. Cool. And it was not one of those cameras that like changes color mm-hmm. when it's being viewed. So I had no idea. And I was like, yeah, whatever. But one day she came home late. And as she was walking in, she apologized. And I said, you know, it's cool. And she was like, no, I know you had a dinner to go to with your friends tonight. And I'm sorry that I made you late for that. I said, what do you mean? Ooh. What dinner? She was like, didn't you tell me you had dinner with your friends that night? I had dinner with my friends that night. I didn't tell her. Right. I took a phone call during break when both babies were upstairs. Mm -hmm. So no reason for you to be looking at this camera. 
where you overheard my phone conversation that I was meeting somebody tonight. And I did not alert her that I understood all that. I just said, oh, I guess I forgot I told you. But I never trusted her for a second after that. I never hung out in that room anymore because why do we have to make it weird? Yeah. I'm getting mad just thinking about it. Okay. Anyway, I think that's weird. Um, Track your nanny if you want to. Don't be weird about it. Right. Well, I, and like like you said, we understand the the how major this is to be caring yeah. for your most prized possession. Like, don't think I take that lightly for a second. Um, mm-hmm. And I can absolutely see, you know, checking the camera throughout the day, making sure nothing crazy is going on or whatever. But um, if you are aware that your child's asleep and you're just kind of tuning in to tune in, it kind of seems like, well... What what is the what's really the point here? You know what's really going on. So um, I I think trust is definitely a foundational pillar to the the house that is being a nanny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you got to give it to get it. But um, I'm sorry to that nanny. <laughs> I had to deal with that because that sucks. Um, all right, so we're gonna wrap it up. This has been a good conversation, Kira. Yes, I have I've loved enjoyed it. it. I have enjoyed <laughs> you, and now I want to give you an opportunity to share your why because society will have us think that we become nannies and we remain nannies because we have no other choice no other option no other outlet so I want you to share mm. why you choose nanny life let's see so nanny life is so special I, I worked in daycare a little bit I was a, a child personal carried for a little bit but what I love about nannying so much is that you know you can be a teacher you can work in daycare you can do whatever and and impact children but there's no um, stronger impact you can have on a child than than raising them, really being being a hand in um, in their their upbringing and in such a personal way. Like I was saying, you know, I'm the person that my kids can cry to. I'm a person that uh, my kids can share their joys with. I'm a person that I hope that my kids will um, think of, you know, when they're graduating high school one day or things like that. And I feel like that that's my why as a nanny is that that deep that soul connection that you can get with children and with their families and um I'm so grateful for that and the family that I'm working for right now it feels like like there was some some divine you know um decisions going on there which led me to them and it just feels when it feels right it feels right and um that that's my wife for nannying (laughs) I love that so much and I, I would like to add there really is something so special to a child about a grown-up who chooses to be in their life and doesn't have to. Yes. Yeah, for sure. It's why I That's show up special. to all the birthday parties, even though no one really uh, needs me Yes, there. we, we go the mile. Yeah, it's yeah. and it's different. It's not just a job. It's it's like my life. Like you said, we're heavy on the life because nannying is, it's it's like a lifestyle. I go into somebody else's house and I, I follow somebody else's rules so that I can have a part in making, um, making an adult that is just awesome. So <laughs> I'm grateful that I get to do that because, um, I, I could find it hard to trust somebody to come into your home yeah. every day and, um, help yeah. raise your kids. You know, that, that takes a lot of trust for, on the parent side. So, um, I'm grateful that I have found that and that, that keeps me here for sure. <laughs> oh, that is such a good perspective. Cause it really is, no small thing to let someone come into your home and, and really be such an integral part of your family and, you know, not really know that, like to think about, you got me thinking girl, because my bosses, <laughs> I mean, they check my references, but 
they didn't know me, know me to decide yeah, yeah. to trust me, but they have trusted me. And I, it's been, we're coming up on seven years and it's That's, like, yeah, it, it gets and really, it, and it hasn't tight. been without incident. Yeah. It hasn't yeah. been without incident. I have not been perfect. I have not like, I'm sure there have been days where my boss was like, all right now, ma'am, <laughs> you know, and well, vice versa. Yeah. I've had days where I'm like, I, this is, mm. But, you know, we've worked together. We've we've worked through it. We've seen the bigger picture together. So And that's that's, that's really a true human connection job because I feel like we're allowed to be human in this job, or at least that's how I run myself as a nanny, is you know, I'm a person first and your kids are people first and y'all are people first and I see parts of you that nobody else sees because I'm in your house at the at the crack of dawn and, and after um everybody else is going to bed sometimes. So um, I, I, I love the intimate part of, of the job because it feels like there's not any other, there's nothing else that compares, you know? Definitely. Well, friends, that's been another episode of a nanny's life podcast. I'm so grateful you joined us today. I hope you saw yourself. I, I hope you, you felt represented in this episode and I really hope that you take good care of yourself this week, uh, as well, or if not, better than you take care of other people. Okay. You matter. You are a person first, like Kira just told you. So take care of yourself. I want to thank you so much, Kira, for being here. This has been such a good oh, conversation. Thank you for having me. I love it. Yep. Thank you so much. I love talking to friends. No, you're welcome. And I will link her Instagram uh, for you guys to tap in and converse with her. And yeah, thank you guys. Y'all have a good week. Okay. Bye. <laughs> This is a nanny's life. This it's is my life, y'all. You see this nanny life. It's